this is Pastor Pete. My prayer is that this message you're about to hear will help you to understand and experience God's love and power, regardless of what you may be going through today. God bless you. Ask Lord to, to help us, speak to us. Father, you're so good. Thank you for your word. Be the teacher in this room. Expose the devil and his tactics and show us who you are and who we are in Christ and how you want us to apply your word. I pray you will prepare our hearts so that no seeds will be stolen so the devil doesn't come and snatch away the seeds before they go deep and bring forth fruit. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're making our way through as we're going through the book of Genesis, examples to follow and not to follow. They're all over the Bible. You'll find yourself reading a passage and saying, wow, David did such a great thing. And then you'll read another chapter about David and said, that was really dumb. Why did he do that? <laughs> but you'll never say that about Jesus, amen? You'll never say, Jesus, that was a dumb decision. What did you do that for, Jesus? No, because he's the Lord, amen? But there, when you go through Genesis, you will see some people that you should not follow because they went into some really bad directions. We learned that about Noah not long ago. He started off really good, and then he got drunk with wine, ended up naked, out of control, embarrassing situation. And then that led, it's so, it's so interesting how a, one bad decision can lead to another. Now, the thing we want to keep in mind, I do need a timer. So if I can get that timer, that'll help me so I can flow through this. But um, the flood, when the water, God destroyed everything with the with the flood, literally cleaned things up, right? He had to cleanse this earth. The, it was a really filthy situation. If you want to compare that to getting, having your car tuned up, your car needs new oil, your car needs new transmission fluid, a new oil fl filter, a new air filter, one time, my dad actually got the whole engine redone with a 1979 Buick LeSabre. It's the car I learned on, as a matter of fact. And uh, I messed it up again <laughs> because I didn't warm it up properly in the morning. It was very cold weather, and I messed up the engine. I felt really bad. But here's something I learned about cars just because you get a tune-up and you clean everything up, that doesn't mean you stop doing maintenance. You still have to maintain. You still have to take care of it. Or else, in no time, it'll, it can really mess up the engine. You have to maintain. There's times 
where you may go through your house and lay hands on every room and ask God to bless every room and ask God to remove any demonic spirit from that house. Does that mean everything will be okay automatically from that point on? No. You have to maintain and make sure you're practicing righteousness to make sure that there's spiritual maintenance in the house. Amen? So now after the flood, God cleanses the earth, right? He starts all over again with, with Noah. Things get filthy again. They get dirty again. Noah gets drunk. His grandson, and I'll, I'll get, we'll get into details in a second because we're going we're to read it. There's some things that happen that it, one thing leads to another. You don't change the oil. One thing will lead to another. No more transmission fluid. Even There's so many things you have to do. I looked at my air filter for our car a few months ago, and I thought to myself, nobody ever changed the air filter? Little by little, it'll get worse and worse and worse, even in our personal lives. Let's take a look. Now we're in Genesis chapter 9 as we're moving on here. Post-flood immorality begins. After the flood, you think that, okay, everybody learned their lesson. Everybody's going to be living a clean life, and everything's going to be fine. Absolutely not. And we need to realize that even if you experience personal revival, you can end up doing a really bad, terrible thing. If you know the, study, the, the, the story of Gideon, there was personal revival that took place. He started tearing down these idols, and then he was guilty of getting the people involved in idol worship again. This, we have to be careful when it comes to spiritual maintenance so that we don't have post-flood immorality in our own personal lives. Let's look at this. Genesis chapter 9. Look with me. Genesis chapter 9, verses 25 to 29. That's all we're going to cover for today because this thing is loaded. When you read it at first, you're like, what? What, what's the big deal here? What, why is this so loaded with so much truth? Well, we'll see. Look at this. So he said, cursed be Canaan. Let's go back to verse 24 to give you what happened. Now, after he woke up from being drunk, because remember, one sin leads to other sins. It contaminates your family. Sowing bad seeds bring about some really bad crops in our life. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew that his youngest son, what his youngest son had done to him. Let me pause right there. Many believe or many teach that it's actually Ham that it's talking about here. But in the Hebrew language, there's no word for grandson. So, for example, my father's youngest son... Before me and my brother started, you know, had children with our wives, his youngest son was me. But in the Hebrew culture, if you ask, if, if you say, who's Arnaldo Campbell's youngest son? 
It's actually his, his youngest grandson. So in this case, interestingly enough, the youngest grandson would be Canaan because it says he knew what his youngest son, grandson, he knew what he did. This is the son of Ham. And he said, curse, look at verse 25, curse be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brothers. Verse 26, he also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan, his youngest grandson, be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. And let Canaan, his youngest grandson, be his servant. He cursed Canaan. Not Ham. But I'll, I'll explain that more later. Verse 28. And Noah lived 350 years after the flood... And so all the days of Noah were 950 years. And guess what happened to Noah? He died, which is exactly what God told Adam and Eve. You eat from this tree, there's going to be funerals. There's going to be tears. You're going to grieve. You will die. Your children will die. Okay. False teachings about racism and slavery. In each of the cultures that are represented in this room, whether it's a caste system over in India, whether it's the slavery that took place in the United States, the prejudices that take place in Japan, the prejudice that take place right here in this city, no matter where we're from, you have heard prejudice comments about those people, whoever those people are, because of their skin color, because of the type of job they have, because of the type of education they have, because of the part of town that they live in, because of a lot of different things, the tribe they're from, like in Kenya, Africa, whatever tribe you're from, that speaks a lot. Billy Graham was asked years ago, if you could wipe something out in this world, what would it be? If you could get rid of something, he said prejudice. He was one of the first evangelists that says, if I'm coming to that city, I want blacks and whites sitting together. I don't want blacks on that side. I don't want to just have, a, I don't want to have a, an evangelism crusade just for the black people. We're bringing them together or I'm not coming <laughs> That's, that's where he stood. And it made some people really mad. But he believed what the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Amen? And so if you go back to this verse, there are people that will use these verses to justify the wickedness of prejudice and racism and the devil deceives by using improperly interpreted Bible verses. Pride and hatred are at the root of racism. Ham, as I said earlier, Noah's son, is the father of Cush, Egypt, and Put, which is Libya, the father of the people of Africa, which is where my ancestry comes from. But my ancestry also comes from Latin America, so I'm, I'm from all over the place. <laughs> but... 
part of my ancestry is from Africa. And for some, of, for some of you here, you know where yours goes back to. But watch this. I mentioned earlier Noah cursed Canaan, not Ham. Slave masters, I'm going to give you an example. You all need to know this because depending on what type of church you came from, you will hear things or it will be very subtle messages about those people, whoever that might be. So slave masters have used scripture like this to justify slavery. But the Canaanites, who they say, they say, okay, that's, those are the black people. They were actually eventually destroyed according to these verses, 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles. And they will use these verses to justify the brutal slavery that has taken place. Give, I'm, what I'm doing, folks, is giving you examples of how the devil will even try to use the Bible. But there's nothing new under the sun. For example, there are people that try to use the Bible to justify mistreatment of Jewish people. They say, God doesn't want anything to do with the Jews anymore. It's the church he's focusing on. But if you study the book of Ephesians, and if you study Romans chapter 11, it says it very clearly, God is not done with Israel yet. And Paul wrote that Jews and Gentiles have become one man. We have been grafted in to the body of Christ, to this one man, Jew, Gentile, male, female, coming together as one. But people will try to use these type of scriptures to explain why it's okay to show discrimination according to the Bible. This argument that Canaan's line was to be subject to Japheth's line actually can go no farther than the Battle of Carthage when the Phoenicians were defeated in 146. So they can't even use this as a verse for discrimination. Before the emancipation of slaves, influenced by Christians, by, for example, maybe you never heard of William Wilberforce. He was one of the men, along with Abraham Lincoln, who were really trying to push for the freedom of slaves. But the love of money, power, pride, and discrimination fueled a more brutal slavery than the scriptures allowed. Let me explain that some more. Now look at this, because some might say, for example, there's slavery in the Bible. Doesn't it say that, doesn't Paul talk about being a bond servant, and does it, isn't this one a slave and that one a slave? Well, let's talk about that for a second. Exodus chapter 21, verse 16 says, the penalty, listen to this now, because this is what they did with many people from Africa. As a matter of fact, they were, they were even enslaving people from Ireland even before they started doing this to the Africans. But uh, Exodus 21 states, the penalty of kidnapping or selling a person is death. Write it down. Exodus 21, 16. And my ancestors and many other people's ancestors were taken against their will 
and sold. God says they deserve death. But the man who wrote Amazing Grace, I believe, what was his name? John Newton. He was a captain of a slave ship, and God convicted him. The Holy Spirit convicted him, and he accepted Christ, and he came to a point where he just had to write this song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I just heard recently that the tune that he wrote was actually a tune that's similar to a Negro spiritual. So the music he heard them singing influenced his music that he wrote, the song that he wrote, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. It's an interesting story if you read about it. And all the world knows that song, it seems like. In the Bible days, slavery, listen to this. Listen to this, this is very important because you run into different groups of people who don't really understand the background of these verses. In the Bible days, slavery in many cases was voluntary. It was a voluntary act. A person with a great debt could offer themselves as a slave. While serving as a bond servant, the, the slave would learn a trade, and after six years, they were to be set free. So I'm reading this, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is interesting history that many people don't know. But I thank God for people like Abraham Lincoln, um, William Wilberforce, who I just mentioned earlier, these great men of God who used their influence to bring about change in society. God used them. As instrument. Leviticus chapter 25 gives regulations for slave masters' behavior towards slaves. So not all slave um, people who were slaves were mistreated. They would actually give themselves to be slaves if they were in debt, and then they would learn a trade, and they were let go after six years. And if it was a good situation, they might have said, you know, I like working here. Can I stay? <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. But they had the freedom to leave after six years if they wanted to. Some interesting history, right? Bible examples of discrimination versus agape love. There's some Bible examples, biblical examples of this. We're going to look at this. But I want to I wanna share this with you. The difference between ethnicity and race. An ethnic group, that's, uh, these are members of a common nationality or shared cultural traditions. So what's race then? Race is a division of people based on physical characteristics, which usually result from genetic ancestry. So that's why you can look at somebody and say, oh, what, what race do you think he is? Now, I know you look at me, and it gets really confusing. I understand. I know. But for some, you can look at them and say, oh, I know where she's from. Oh, I know where he's probably from. But in some cases, it gets really confusing because it's like, where is this person from? But I want to say, this is an interesting thing about the word race. The first time that terminology was used was with animals. 
I know this stuff sounds horrible, right? But this is how bad it gets. There's nothing new under the sun. I'm going to explain it to you in a second. Because Jesus shows up on earth in the midst of prejudice. In the midst of the Jewish people calling the Samaritan dogs. Like he's, he, he, he's in the midst of so much hatred and pride and discrimination. My Savior is awesome. Because he's even trying to show his disciples what real love is. We're going to get to that. We'll get to it. Now, Audrey Smedley is an anthropologist. Listen to what she says here. I argue that race was institutionalized beginning in the 18th century. This is accurate because I remember reading about this in Bible college. As a worldview, a set of culturally created attitudes and beliefs about human group differences. So this is what they would do. Some of the people that would conquer the different places, people from Spain and other, and other areas, they would come into an area and they would start to say, okay, let's, okay, this race, they're known for being lazy. This race is known for not being very smart. This race is very ambitious. Guess who that was? That was their own people. They were smart and ambitious. So, yeah, let's call us that. That sounds good, doesn't it? These guys, eh, don't trust them. And so they would have these races and label them. I want you to think. Think with me. And I know, I know, it's not an easy topic. It's downright uncomfortable to talk about. But I want you to think growing up, things that you heard grandma saying, things that you heard grandpa saying, Things that you even thought about yourself and you compared yourself to the dude across the street. I remember where I grew up in Queens, there was an area called Laurelton. That's where the colored, the black people were. And in Rosedale, black people just started to live in that area. And we would have bottles thrown at us if we're walking through that area. I grew up in the 70s. But just 10, 15 years before that, the civil rights movement was going on. There's all sorts of different types of class prejudice, people who are fighting for democracy. We don't want to give you freedom because you're not worth it. We're special. There's nothing new. This is all over the world. This is happening. And it's ugly. Yes, I know it's ugly. And then if you're part of a culture that has done that, you may feel ashamed, like I can't believe we did that to those people. Or I can't believe they treated us that way just because I wasn't a part of that class or just because I didn't have an opportunity to get this type of education. And God forbid you bring a girlfriend home that's from the lower class. This is reality. It's sad. It's sad. I had to do a wedding not long ago <laughs> when I walked into the building. The father of the bride says, are you the preacher? <laughs> I was so scared. I said, oh, Lord, this man's going to kill me. Because she was marrying somebody that was not her race or not her ethnicity. So I said, can I talk to you a while? 
And so I'm walking like, I'm saying, he's going to shoot me. He's mad that I'm marrying them. He sat me down. And he said, uh, uh, Pastor Pete, in Espanol, todo en Espanol. He said, Pastor Pete, I want to sing for my daughter's wedding. I want to sing a song. And in my heart, I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. He's not going to kill me. Thank you, Jesus. He's, he's not going to try to say, stop this wedding. I don't want her marrying this guy. But I know this was an Afri African-American guy. And I know what the TV says about African-Americans, the rap artists and all these rich guys. And he sees this and he says, oh, this is probably what this guy is like. So I had an opportunity to share with him, this is a good brother. He loves your daughter. I felt led to share that with him because... It was a hard, hard engagement time. It's the world we live in. It's a very, very sad thing, but it's reality. Scriptures confirm that God loves all people without favoritism. Amen? Without favoritism. The book of Jonah he tells Jonah, go to these Ninevites. Jonah's like, these people hate us. These people cut off our heads. They cut off the heads of the Hebrews, and then they, they take the skulls and throw them like they're, like they're footballs. This is what the Assyrians used to do to the Hebrew people. So Jonah's like, I don't want anything to do with them. Please don't send me there, Lord. You know the story. He runs the other way. John chapter 4, Jesus goes through Samaria, amen? He says, I must go through Samaria. There's a special person that I need to reach. That person gets saved, the lady at the well, and she reaches her family. But the disciples, you alone, you alone on this one, Jesus. We're going to go get some food. I don't want nothing to do with. And by the time they walked back and they saw Jesus still talking to her, I shared this with you before. You can imagine, the, the disciples are saying, why is he talking to that bleep, 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 bleep? Using all sort of probably bad words about this woman. Jesus could care less about what other people thought. I feel led to say this. Could God be calling you to go to a people, a particular people group from your culture, that you know your parents will say, why are you going near them? It's possible. And then the devil will say, you won't get any missionary support for that. Nobody will support you if you go minister to those people. During World War II, you know what happened with Japan. Many people hated the Japanese, but I praise God. Some of the men that discipled me were Americans who loved the Japanese. They were missionaries in Japan during World War II. And they discipled me. And one of the first people I fell in love with regarding missionary endeavors was the Japanese people. Because of these men. Because of these men and women who influenced my mind in a positive way to reach out to these people. Brother Tex, the very things you wrote up there about suicide, they told me that. I was 15 years old. And they're telling me about the need for missionaries to go to Japan. Sometimes war can cause hatred towards people. After 
Don't you think there were people saying, those Arabs, those Muslims, they're horrible. Look what they did to the World Trade Center in New York City. We hate them. A lot of people had that. But Jesus wants us to reach these people with the gospel. Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to the Ethiopian, an African man. Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to the Italian Cornelius, for God so loved the world. Amen? Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, it says he wants God, he wants Israel, God wants Israel to be a light to the nations, to everybody. It's a beautiful thing. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. John 28, uh, Matthew 28, go make disciples, not of some nations, but of all nations. Amen? These are really great verses. Just in case the devil tries to mess your mind up to think, oh, it's okay to hate the Jews. It's okay to hate the white people. I had a person tell me recently, this is a Christian man, about four years ago, he said to me, white people are of the devil. This is a Christian man who said that to me. White people are of the devil. It was a white couple that discipled my dad. It was a white man who used to be prejudiced when he was in the Navy, who got converted and discipled me. The devil is lying to many people regarding race. Scriptures confirm, scriptures confirm God's love, God loves all people without favoritism. Okay, Jesus entered history during a time of discrimination and hatred. He knew our pride caused us to think more highly of ourselves and look down on others with different cultural backgrounds, working classes, education, features. Consider the advertisements that you might see. Maybe even if you, if you go to Japan too, right? There's certain advertisements that look a certain way, and they're, they're trying to communicate something. This is how we want our people to look. Here too in Mexico, certain advertisements. It's like, why do all the advertisements look this way? instead of this way. Is that a real representation of who we are here? It's interesting, right? Because of prejudice, because of discrimination. Now listen to this though. Isn't this funny? Listen to this. There are people who are dark-skinned who prefer to be light-skinned. There are people that are light-skinned who don't like themselves and they go to a tanning salon to get darker. There are people with small lips who want to have big lips. <laughs> there are people who have eyes shaped a certain way who say, I would like, I don't like my eyes. I want to look Japanese. So they go get, they want to, they don't like it. It's too round or the other way around. This is a crazy world we live in. It's one of those things where we have to ask us, oh, even hair, I can't relate to this one though. I wish my hair was like hers. I wish my hair was this color. You see it on the street, you look at them and say, hmm, that's interesting. Interesting color. They don't like who they are, it seems like. Let me be careful, let me say this. Do I think anything's wrong if somebody dyes their hair? No, I think there's room for creativity. I think there's room for that. But we got to be careful that when we look in the mirror, we're able to say, thank you, Lord, for how you made me. 
Amen? We can say thank you. But some folks who want to get a little creative, you know, I might get a wig one day and say, no, I'm just kidding. You won't see that. But you need to thank God for how he made you. Jesus went into Egypt with his parents. They probably saw different color people, different food, but he was willing to go into another culture. Mary and Joseph said, we're going into Egypt. God told them to, and I believe it was the beginning of teaching them and Jesus for God so loved the world. Let's go into Egypt. Interesting thing about Egypt, what was Egypt known for? Before Jesus went there, what were they known for? Slavery, right? Look what Jesus turns it into. He's so gracious. He says, yeah, these are, these are the same people that enslaved my ancestors. I want to turn it into a place of refuge because he left that area and he went to a safe place in Egypt. God loves to turn the reputation of a group to something else, to something else. Well, there's other examples of it. Jesus purposely told a good Samaritan story. He purposely did that because the Jewish, his Jewish disciples were like, why would you choose those nasty people? Don't you, don't you have some good Jew stories, Jesus? Why uh, Samaritans? They're nasty, Jesus. Don't, say, don't give us any more good stories about Samaritans. It's sad, isn't it? Good Samaritan story. It's a good Samaritan story. Purposely tells them that. And he chose Matthew a tax collector who collected money from the Romans who were dominating the Jewish people. Purposely, purposely. An African man named Simon from North Africa carried the cross of Jesus when Jesus collapsed. An African man. He didn't even know who Jesus was. But if you study history, that same man Simon of Cyrene from North Africa, his sons get involved in the ministry. One of his sons becomes an evangelist because most likely he stood there and saw the Messiah dying for our sins. And his sons became Christians as well. Beautiful story. Unexpected privilege that he had. Paul writes about the unity of believers in Ephesians chapter 2. We need to be unified. Okay, here's the last, last one before we close. Check this out. Potential for international churches. That's what we are. We have incredible potential here. But we also have <laughs> struggles. <laughs> because I know I do things that are different than what you're used to in some cases. Some of you are so nice to me. Thank you for tolerating me. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're so nice. But it's not easy being in an international church because it's like, Lord, why does he say it that way? Why does she do it this way? They're from that other country. Why do they eat it like that? What is all sort of stuff. We, and we may come with prejudiced thoughts about each other. I'm going to share this quick story with you. I was a camp counselor years ago. I was about Daniel's age, 19 or 20. And I had a similar haircut, just like this. But I had all sort of designs in it, you know. <laughs> so I was a camp counselor, Christian camp. When the week was over, 
the director called me into his office and he said, I have to apologize to you for something. What, what happened? He said, when you first came here and I saw your weird haircut and I knew you were from Brooklyn and Queens, I was afraid if this was going to work. You're one of the best counselors I've ever had at this camp. And I thank God for you. This guy has tears in his eyes apologizing to me because he admitted, he says, I had a prejudiced attitude towards you because I heard where you were from. It happens with you too. People will think that way about you sometimes because they hear you're from Mexico, because they hear you're from Japan, they hear you're from, you're from India, they hear you're from New York, they hear you're from Arizona. And whatever that means in here might not be good. <laughs> you got to know who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen? You got to know who you are. And be real careful. I wasn't planning to say this, but somebody needs to hear this. Be real careful about proving to others that you're smart. You don't need to prove to somebody you're smart. Be secure in Jesus because then... I know it happens sometimes when African-Americans get in front of a bunch of white folks who, from some of their backgrounds, depending on the background they're from, they think, oh, you're, you're not educated. Because at one time, they would say that a, a black person was only part human. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. So they would get up in front of people and use all these big words to prove to them that they're smart. So now God is looking at the motive of the preacher. He says, you're doing this with pride and anger to prove to others that you're not stupid? Be secure in me, amen? Be secure in me and do whatever you do, do it for my glory. Not so that people say, wow, she's so smart. He's so smart. Do all to the glory of God. Amen? Do all to the glory of God. We got to close. There's, there's something called dissonance frustration. When you come into an international church, dissonance frustration is where you're, you're around people from different cultures, and it's like, that's weird. Why does, why does, <laughs> it's normal. It's normal. It's normal. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. Call and response preaching, for example. Do you notice when I preach, sometimes I say, say amen, somebody. That's what we do in our culture. That's me. I grew up preaching like that. It's like, uh, are we on the same page? Can we say amen as a group? And I realize that might not be where you grew up, but that's just me. So sometimes it might be something like you might hear in our church growing up, you would hear somebody in the crowd while we're preaching. Somebody says, Help them, Lord. That's their way of praying for you. And when they say, help them, Lord, you get this, like, thank you, Jesus. Somebody's praying for me because this ain't easy, standing up. <laughs> or they might say, well, while you're preaching, they say, well. And now if you're not used to that, they're like, well, what? Why are you saying, well? That's, that's just an agreement. I'm with you, brother. It's needed because we need to be unified. Because while the preacher's preaching, the devil's attacking him. He needs encouragement. <laughs> Another thing they might say is, that's all right. Another way of agreeing is like you're not preaching false doctrine, preacher. That's on point. 
or they just say amen, or they say glory, hallelujah, or they might stand up in the middle of the sermon. It's a different culture, I know. They just might stand up and point at you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in church and somebody just stands up? That's their way of saying, that's a good point. Good point, preacher. Keep on preaching. It's a different culture. It's a different culture. Different personalities combined with cultural differences. People might have experienced trauma in, their other, in the country they're from with emotional struggles from their homeland. Different expectations. Different views of leadership, what a pastor should be like. Pastor should have on a tie. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But it's different, right? Different cultures, different cultures. Dress code, food, the worship. Some places would never have this. Oh, my gosh, drums? It's a different culture. It's not necessarily wrong. It's just different. It's different. Learning styles, telling stories. Jesus with uh, the group of adults, for example, when Jesus was 12, he was learning with the adults. But in a lot of cultures, the kids or the youth are in a different room. In Jesus' culture, you're supposed to be with the other adults, gaining wisdom like we do in the Ignite group. And I think that's a cool thing. But it's different for some cultures. So I'm not saying that's the best way. That's just the way I, I like it. <laughs> These fellowships have a tendency for rough adjustments. Because some might come to GT and say, so many different cultures, and I really don't like that type of thing, or I don't like this type of thing. Rough adjustments, but also potential for a beautiful reflection of God's agape love. I'm going to close with this verse. It says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. Why is that? Because when they see Jewish people loving Samaritans, they'll say, whoa, that's a miracle. <laughs> Think about your country, where you're from, and the people that nobody likes really much. And then you start worshiping with that person. There's an awesome verse in Isaiah 19 that says, Assyria, enemies of Israel, Egypt, enemies of Israel throughout history, and Israel will come together and worship. Isaiah chapter 19, verses 23 to 25. God loves to see blacks and whites and, and people from Japan and from India and from Canada and from Nicaragua and Mexico. When we're together, it's like this beautiful mosaic demonstration of agape love. Let's stand to our feet as we close. Let's stand to our feet. Well, I hope that message was a blessing to you. Feel free to pass it on to someone who needs to hear it. And if you want to know more about having a relationship with Christ, check out our website at www graceandtruthgdl.org and remember so many are looking for real love and power in this life Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life God bless you